Have you ever seen the movie White Chicks? Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course. So remember the scene where the girls are having the sleepover in the hotel and they hire the two strippers, Raul and Tito? Yes. Okay. So when <laughs> when they come into the room and one of the undercover agents pretends, pretending to be the Vanderbilt sisters, like kicks the ass of the dancers because yeah. he thinks they're trying to abduct him. But the part when he says, yeah. could you guys go give me some Midol and a Snickers? That's where I'm at emotionally. (laughs) Hey, girl. Hi, friend. How are you? Um, I was going to say, do you want to ask me how I'm doing so you don't have to oh. <laughs> spill like you normally do? Yeah, um, I, w- I won't say anything. <laughs> I'm good. I've just been very busy with school and um, my dad was here mm-hmm. and it's just been a lot recently, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm, um, I had a date with the most Swedish man alive last night. Oh, um, okay. He was super nice, but I don't think I'm like into him, but he... Um, he was trying to tell me we were walking by the lake. So there, and I brought the dog that I was dog sitting. Oh, cool. So there were like a million dogs around. Uh-huh. We're talking about dogs. And he was like, Yeah, I have a dog back in Sweden. And I was like, Oh, really? What mm-hmm. kind of dog do you have? And he was like, A pock. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Maybe we call it something different here. And he uh-huh. was like, No, you call it the same thing. He pulls up a picture. I kid you not, a pug. <laughs> I could not understand what this man was saying. He was saying pug and it sounded like pock. Like I thought that he was trying to like like pocket, yeah. but pock. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you guys, it's finally Pride Month. Yay! Hey. Happy Pride. Yes, happy Pride. And as Patrick says, I'm thriving in my homosexuality. He said something else the other day. I was listening to an episode, it was like like fashionisting or something it was like some other uh-huh. word or like glittering in his homosexuality it was like so something funny. else that was like more extreme uh-huh. than thriving <laughs> he's always gotta and level it, was, it up yeah it was so funny and jillian was like <laughs> i don't think that's a word <laughs> uh should we get on to the question sure okay we have three different options and i can't really pick so i'm gonna let you pick which one we should talk about okay I'm looking at them, so I'm just going to say the one that I pick, and you can answer first. Okay. What emoji do you use most often? Ooh, it's the skull emoji. It's not the you skull. You use that one a lot. Yeah, it's not the one with the crossbones. Yeah. It's just the plain skull. I feel like yeah. that is just like, it's like saying I'm dead or like I can't or like I'm over it. It's just like yeah. it, it answers to everything, and it's so yeah. simple. Yeah, you do use that one a lot. That's my fave. What about you? I think I use, I think I go back and forth. It's probably like a, a pretty solid tie between either the like sobbing face, like the two streams going down the face or the crying (laughs) laughing face. I'm like a hardcore, like, like late millennial in that sense that like, like I saw something one time that was like some Gen Z or like insulting a millennial on the internet and they were uh-huh. like i bet she still uses the crying laughing face to mean crying or to mean laughing <laughs> and i was like i like literally sent it to one of my friends and i was like what am i supposed to use then <laughs> and apparently 
you're supposed to use the skull now because you're supposed to be like oh. I'm dead. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you're hipper than me for once. Um, oh. I'm just See, kidding. I was hipper than me. I wasn't even going about it like that. I just feel like the skull just answers everything. It says everything and anything as simple as it is. But that's fucking funny. Yeah. How dare the Gen still- Z try to like question us? I know, those bitches didn't even know a time when they didn't have Snapchat stories, and they're trying to tell me what emojis to use. Like, fuck off. Well, there's our social media corner. (laughs) Our other seemingly ongoing corner, good segue. Uh Um, I have another update about Britney's finger food (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know why this keeps... Every time that we post an episode, too, she, like, texts me right after, and she's like, so I listened to the episode, and I have more to say about this. (laughs) I fucking love it. So... Um, she says that in response to our last episode, she would eat an unwitch from Jimmy John's mm. that you quoted because uh-huh. the lettuce at the end is like folded over and yes. thus it makes it like a whole thing, kind of like a burrito where like nothing comes out, right. but she doesn't eat burritos. But, um, the main reason why she doesn't like to touch burgers and pizza is because she doesn't like touching the grease. Mm. And so bread often gets kind of greasy too because it's like like not that sandwiches are necessarily like greasy but they just like absorb the juices whatever Mm -hmm. which i guess like a lettuce doesn't absorb it it just kind of like repels it it's like hydrophobic or whatever (laughs) um for pride (laughs) (laughs) very fitting um so she said she might be willing to pick up a jimmy john sandwich because the bread is like kind of crusty and like stays fully dry on the outside So she's willing to experiment. (laughs) (laughs) She's a little curious, as we all are. (laughs) We all have that side of us. I don't care what you say, but no, that's so funny. Like, I I feel the same way when it comes to, like, sticky stuff. I hate stickiness. I hate opening, like, the bottle on a thing of honey and it gets in my fingers from the residue. Oh, stickiness drives Mm -hmm. me fucking nuts. Yeah, you said that you used to eat your wings with... uh... And wash your hands between every yes. single wing. A hundred wet wipes. <laughs> okay, speaking of Britney's also, what is with my segues tonight? <laughs> okay, so speaking of Britney, we want to acknowledge um, something that's going on in Chicago right now. So there was like kind of a win and also there's a little bit of like a loss, I guess you could say, for true crime in Chicago right now. So... On Monday, June 5th, the body of Brittany Bataglia. Is that how you say it? I thought it was Bataglia only because I oh, went Bataglia, to a school okay. with a girl who yeah. had the last name. But Yeah, that's why I was asking you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So on Monday, June 5th, the body of Brittany Bataglia was found in an apartment in Logan Square, which if you didn't go if you didn't listen to the last episode, go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But Logan <laughs> Square is the neighborhood in which I live. Um I had friends that were like reposting this girl's missing poster on Instagram and everything. Mm. And she was just a few old years older than uh Emilio and I. So um this is like pretty close to home. She was likely murdered by her boyfriend who also lived in the neighborhood. Um they haven't officially charged him as when I looked this up this afternoon, they mm-hmm. had not officially charged him with murder yet, but just with like concealment of a body or something like that or concealment mm-hmm. of a homicide maybe. But um, so our sincerest condolences to Brittany's family and friends. Yeah. And we hope that her murder is brought to swift justice. Um, But also on the flip side, 
in Bronzeville, which is a predominantly black neighborhood on the near south side of Chicago. There are currently active protests due to the amount of black indigenous people of color, so BIPOC women, mm-hmm. who are not having their cases covered in the news or eating, even getting the same amount of police attention due to the fact that they are women of color. Um, these protests were planned before this Brittany Battaglia uh, mm-hmm. murder was even like even happened or anything um so this is actually the sixth year that they're doing this march um but uh yeah so we just wanted to say that here at your next um we're with you we back you and we hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to cover as many cases as possible for all of the different minority groups that in- exist in this wonderful melting pot that we call America. <laughs> um, but we're also trying to do our best to have correct information, complete information. Um, that's why we don't cover a lot of like current ongoing cases. Yeah. Um, and we also want to treat all the people and the victims um, and cases with care and empathy. So we're still learning um, and making sure that we feel confident in our ability to present the cases appropriately before covering some of these more sensitive topics, especially when it comes to um, BIPOC people, um, especially women. We, um, But we are very aware that that is a uh, ongoing, you know, struggle that people of color are having. Um, yeah. I particularly I'm a white woman. Um, I know it's my duty to educate myself and that I will never understand, but I do consider myself an ally. I think Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, try my hardest to be actively anti-racist. Um, so trying to fight the good fight. Um, Mm -hmm. but Emilio, you are a person of color. Do you have anything to say about this? Yeah. Um, I will say like, but aside from my given name, I think if you just look at me, you would probably consider me as white like I've gotten Italian a couple times also but like I feel like generalizing I just look white yeah you're kind of I I I'm very fair-skinned yes you're very light but I can tell like you have like Latinx Mm -hmm. features I guess I've had one person this is total sidebar and it's super quick (laughs) when I used to work at Starbucks I had one person tell me that I would be a great Aladdin on Broadway (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think it largely goes without saying that we can all be better allies. Um, What is happening around the world, sadly, is nothing new and will likely only get worse. I think we've proven that time and time again as years go on. But um, as a person of color, you can can discover that being an ally and assisting and bringing about positive change for people in oppressed and disadvantaged communities can inspire you to do more research, exploration, and commitment. The BIPOC community consists of many, many people that we love and care about. They're obviously Mm -hmm. like our friends, our family, and our neighbors. Like, they are us. You know, I think, Mm -hmm. like we said, or you said earlier, we are you, we're here to support you, you know, we're here for you. But along with that, like you will be a part of a growing force for good to create more equal and just communities if you decide to choose to present yourself as an ally in all facets of life. And I know we're all slowly getting exhausted from the injustice that is, yes, you know, one present all over the world, but we have to continue fighting louder and be comfortable with shutting down things like racial slurs or jokes. Mm -hmm. But we also need to make space for those conversations as well, Um, Mm -hmm. which I... 
not to go on a tangent, but I see so much of this on TikTok too. Like it's so kind of refreshing to see, yes, they're younger and definitely some older generation people too that are open to having those conversations, but like we need more of that. It doesn't have to be yeah. one thing that I just see on my For You page or, you know, so quickly that I can just scroll past. Like we need more of that in the public. But along with that, we all need to also practice self-care. And without getting into it, I think that's something that I definitely realized this week. Um, Mm -hmm. And lastly, you know, we must go beyond awareness and commit to action. Because without that, I mean, fucking nothing is going to change. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Thank you. Um, (laughs) These times are so so fucking hard. (laughs) Um, So speaking of committing to action um the bronzeville marches that i mentioned um are called we walk for her um like i said it's the sixth year of these marches so they named it officially and everything um it's organized by a group called girls who lead which Mm -hmm. is a part of the kenwood oakland community organization um the kenwood oakland community organization or koco which kind of looks like Coco, Coco, like yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, is a registered 501c3 that focuses on grassroots democracy in the North Kenwood and Oakland communities since 1965 for low-income and working families. Um, they're doing a mm. lot of great wo- work in their community. Kenwood and Oakland are the two neighborhoods next to Bronzeville, so the where those um marches are being held, and then north of Hyde Park. And if you're not from Chicago, but you've probably heard of I- Hyde Park because that's where like the Obamas live. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so they actually live technically on the border of uh Hyde Park and Kenwood, and then in like Kenwood proper, that's actually where Muhammad Ali lived. So mm. um very like historically important for um you know civil rights movement yeah. uh is the Kenwood neighborhood. Um and then also in the Hyde Park neighborhood is the very prestigious University of Chicago, <laughs> as well as the Center for the Obama Foundation. Yes. Um so, like I said, lots of civil rights stuff going on down there. Um, if you'd like to get involved or donate, um, maybe just look them up. We're going to put their website in the show notes and on Instagram and everything. Um, but, yeah, they are uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm i definitely going to donate to them in the near future um, once I have a little bit of spare cash. Mm-hmm. And uh maybe get involved in some way i uh i'm not so much involved yeah with um the south side communities now that i don't teach down there so yeah so as i said and we all know it's pride month uh pride (laughs) pride can be such a beautiful time of liberation and rejoicing but it can also be a great time of oppression and darkness uh and great as in um significant not wonderful (laughs) right right right. yeah no thank you um but also welcome to 2023 you guys (laughs) like shit's it's bizarre um (sighs) but in all seriousness the lgbtqia plus community has so much to celebrate and although there are so many lawmakers out there fighting to strip us of our rights we still have come such a long fucking way and there is so much for us to be proud of and a lot of gratitude to be given for us to express to the originators of um, all the movements and especially the elders in our community because Mm -hmm. without their steadfastness we wouldn't have we wouldn't be afforded as many opportunities that we've been given and Definitely, I will say I ignorantly take care, take advantage of them too. You know, it's just, it seems so mm-hmm. second nature because 
we're lucky to not have to put up that good fucking fight. Um, yeah. But with that said, we are true- wait. Yeah. Tick TikTok shout out. Uh-huh. Do you follow the old gays on TikTok? Yes. Oh my god, they're so cute. Yes. I am obsessed with them. They're so funny, and that's a great example of yeah. You know, people who have really lived this that like when they were younger, I think a couple of them were married to women at some yes. point and mm-hmm. like have children because that was what was expected of you. You didn't really have a choice, and now they get to live their lives as fully like gay, like famous for being old gay men in a nursing home all together and like they just happen to meet each other in this nursing home so yeah tiktok if you don't if you don't follow them go check out the old gays on they are so so genuinely funny and so sweet too like christian and i just so happy yes to be themselves especially at their fucking age and you know the time that they lived in um but christian and i like we have not to go on a tangent or a sidebar, but we have friends that are older, um, older gays, mm-hmm. but they have, you know, so many great fucking stories about what it was like putting up fights during their time for the rights. Mm-hmm. And we have one specifically, well, two of them actually have kids and were married to women. Um, mm-hmm. So like they've completely 360 and they're living their full fledged selves. And I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, so with all of that word vomit said, we are a true crime <laughs> podcast, and this case is monumental in so many ways, and unfortunately it is full of so much hatred and ugliness. So there are some homophobic, homophobic slurs and hate speech that will be said. Um, we, you and I both talked about this and you know, kind of verse, voice our opinions on how we wanted to go about this, but I think it is important that we stay true to what is out there. And we have to do it at face value also because it's what happened. And it also Mm -hmm. kind of was of the time, even though it hasn't gone away. But Mm -hmm. um, we don't condone hate speech or slurs and Mm -hmm. we'll always, always thrive to make this a safe space for everybody. So lastly, trigger warnings for homophobia, hate speech, slurs, sexual assault, violence, and some drug use in this episode. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I'll actually start us on the story then. So, Dennis Shepard was born in Scottsbluff, Wyoming, probably sometime in the 50s. Um, we couldn't find an official (laughs) birth date for him, but we do know that he earned a degree from the University of Wyoming, again, sometime probably in the 70s or 80s. (laughs) Um... He met Judy Peck, who was born on August 15th, 1952. I don't know why we had a... I guess because she wrote that book, we have a birthday for her. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so the two were married in 1973 in Casper, Wyoming. Um, And fun fact, Casper was the name of my first cat when I was born. That's cute. Yeah, she was a white... White Himalayan, um, but she was a fucking bitch, and my parents gave her away because (laughs) she... We, like, moved into our new house, and it was, like, brand new. Like, we had bought it kind of from the builder long uh-huh. story but um so like all the carpet was like brand new and everything and she uh-huh. wouldn't stop peeing all over the house oh, and fuck my no. mom was like yeah get the fuck out i support your <laughs> and then mom we had that yeah we had outdoor cats after that <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway the couple stayed in casper and welcomed their first child matthew shepherd <laughs> on december 1st 1976 in 1981 they gave matthew a little brother named logan Now, this is not confirmed as we only found it in one source, but we did read somewhere that in 1992, Matthew was arrested for sexually assaulting two eight-year-old boys in Casper. 
Now, uh, Matthew would have been 16 at this time. And reading that hurt. It really, really hurt. But I think it could go without saying that people love to make up rumors about gay people being pedophiles. I mean, look around... Look around us, and we're seeing it so much today. And to go back to TikTok, I love when I see TikToks of people, especially cis white women, especially mm-hmm. those two of older generations who are shutting this shit down and actually talking mm-hmm. to us about who the real pedophiles are that actually have power over others. Yeah. And like they're bringing that to the forefront. So I think this was a very, hard, this was very hard to fact check, fact check, but I think we can safely say that it is uh, rubbish. Yeah, I mean, like all this stuff right now, um, I, Amelia is aware of this, but I got into um, an Instagram comment (laughs) battle the other night with some people because um, the Tampa Bay Rays Instagram posted about Happy Pride Month and Mm -hmm. the stadium in Rainbow. And a lot of people were like, oh, so now we're like telling baseball that it's okay to be a pedophile and all this stuff. And it's like, that's just everybody's immediate jump right now. And like, that's not new in 2023 like that people have been saying that for decades about homosexuals that they're pedophiles and whatever because like one time probably there was yeah you know like there are home home like homosexual pedophiles that that does exist but like i mean obviously like if you look at all the priests they're yes probably gay but but they're so closeted Mm -hmm. um so I don't know. I but that doesn't mean that being gay makes you a pedophile. Like right. that's the disconnect that people are missing. Did you see or about the choosing to the, ignore? Right. Did you see about yeah. the Dodgers how they have you ever heard of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Oh, I know all about this. That shit blew my fucking mind and made my blood boil all because people decided to protest against going to the games and like just like you said oh it's okay to support the gays like what the fuck which you would think that that shit would be safe in california but exactly it's not anymore like that really fucking pissed me off and they the sisters have been doing that for decades going to the games and being involved in it but that's it's such fucking bullshit um anyways so in 1993, the Shepard family moved to Saudi Arabia for Dennis's job in the oil industry. While the family was living in Saudi Arabia, Matthew enrolled in a boarding school in Lugano, Switzerland, for his final... That sounds right, right? Yeah. That seems pretty phonetic. <laughs> um, <laughs> he went there for his final two years of high school. And for our international listeners, since we're getting so many of you, which I fucking love... Yay! You see that we have people in South Africa? Yes. It's so cool. The world of of podcasting is amazing. The power of it. Yeah. Um, So for our international listeners, those were his last two years before being eligible to enter university in the United States, which I can't imagine, especially in the 90s, let alone when technology fucking sucked and you had to rely on letters. But I can't imagine having to spend your junior and senior year in another fucking country. Yeah, so, like, age 16, 17, and 18, basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think back, those were 
some of the most important years, right? Like, that was, like, when I got in, like, my first serious relationship. And, Mm -hmm. like, I started, like, deciding kind of what I wanted to do with my life, which, like, Mm -hmm. I ended up totally changing my mind. (laughs) But still, that was, like, I was starting to, like, feel like an adult. I had my driver's license. And I could, like, go places independently. Like, I started drinking, you Mm -hmm. know, not legally. But um, I, that was just, like, two really big years of my life and I can't imagine just like picking up and moving to the other side of the world. Like it's hard enough if you just like transfer schools, let alone. Right. I mean, Matthew is lucky that his, he had the opportunity afforded to him to do that by his, his dad's job. Like they were paying for him to go and do this, which is great. I think kids Mm -hmm. should take advantage of that, but I can't imagine like how hard it must be. And like to be dealing with what he was dealing with internally, which we'll get into in a little bit, Mm -hmm. but fuck that's, I couldn't muster up that strength to do that. I know that I, my late grandpa, oh my God, my late Thea too. I could not have been any older than like 10 or 12, but they mm-hmm. are from Texas. They lived in Texas and they were in Illinois visiting my dad and they were driving back to the Valley of Texas. And I was like, Oh, I want to go with them. I want to go see grandma. Not knowing how long that fucking drive is. Yeah. Um, We did not make it more than like three hours from my parents' house. And I was boohooing so hard. They had to drive me back. My grandpa was a man of a very short fucking temper, very short temper, and he was fucking pissed. I would, yeah. I don't blame I him. Really <laughs> um, the other thing I just thought about uh-huh. is because I was in Lincoln Park last night and mm. there were a whole bunch of kids out there like taking prom pictures. Oh, yeah. What if you like looked forward to prom for so long? You were like, oh, I'm finally a junior. Oh, I get to go to yeah. prom. And then you move to Switzerland where they probably don't have prom. Yeah. That's so oh, sad. Shit. I just thought about that. Prom was such a big deal to me in high school. Like Really? Not me. I never went. Did you go to, what size was your high school though? Girl, I was the one hundredth person in my graduating class. There were a hundred of you, that's it? That, that's it. Oh. My high school was six my graduating class was six hundred and eighty people. Get the fuck out of here. I went to freshman out. class. My freshman class was over 900 people. That is fucking wild. I, everyone I graduated yeah. with, with the exception of a few people that like moved away and some of them fucking died. Like we, <laughs> we started from elementary school. So like I knew these wow. fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of people that I went to elementary school with that I went all the way to high school with, but mm-hmm. like we just kept adding every right. year. Like no. <laughs> I can't lot. say, I can't say there were more than like 20, maybe 30 people of that, that, didn't end up graduating with my class. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Small town. Anyway, <laughs> um, so there was our levity because <laughs> shit's about to get dark. Yes. Um, in 1995, Matthew went on a senior trip to Marrakesh, Morocco. While in Marrakesh, uh, Matthew uh, was gang raped by a group of young men. Um He says that he was raped six times and they completed the attack by stealing all of his possessions that he had on him at the time, which is so horrifying. Mm. Um, That fall, Matthew came back to America and enrolled in Catawba, I think is how you say it, college in Mm -hmm. North Carolina. Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't, I I have no words for that. Yeah, so sad. In the 
documentary slash movie. Um, Matthew Shepard is a friend of mine. One of his friends and schoolmates who was in Marrakesh with him said that when he got back to the place they were staying at, he just let out a piercing scream and cried for so hard and for so long. When she said that, like you could see that she could hear the scream still Mm -hmm. and remembering it. And it broke my fucking heart. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1996, while visiting his family, who was still in Saudi Arabia, Matthew met another man named Ted Henson, and the two became romantically involved and eventually official partners. That same year in June, Matthew returned to North Carolina and was treated at a facility for depression and other mental health issues in Raleigh. During the summer of 1997 and 1998, Matthew lived in Denver, which is only about a four-hour drive from Casper, Wyoming, where Matthew grew up, and he became hooked on crystal meth and cocaine. Uh, once again, kids, don't do fucking cocaine. There's yeah, there's no crime here yet, so you can't say I'm victim-blaming. This is just a general warning. But seriously, don't fucking do cocaine. It's literally yeah. cut with gasoline to make it into cocaine. Like, that's so right? bad for you and probably bad for the earth. Like, it, it just has to be. And especially with these fires in Canada, making oh, yeah. the air quality on the East Coast so poor. Like, we need to be nice to our earth. We all fucked around a bit too much and we're fucking finding out. <laughs> like, it is, it's uh, no joke. Yeah. I, the defunding of the EPA last year, oh, I God. sat down and cried. It was like the bang bang of like that and, overturning roe v wade i was just like don't even get me started (laughs) we're done yes we are done um our relationship on facebook changed to it's complicated officially (laughs) (laughs) me in the united states (laughs) yes and then we've got especially because we were just talking about it like switzerland over there doing the literal Mm. lord's work protecting all of our rights and all of our economic or ecological resources do you want to move? You want to go? You want to jump ship? Yes, please. I'm, or Germany. I'm good with. I'm good with Germany too. They're doing a lot, a lot of things. Good Are right they over there? Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Germany's great. In late June of 1997, Matthew was at a gay bar in Denver with a friend named Thomas Doc O'Connor. Which, <laughs> fucking hell! Anytime I hear Doc, I just think of Doc Antle now, and I hate him so much. fuck that guy in his thin ass hair he looks like to me he looks like your typical grinder creep if you have ever seen one um i'm not allowed on grinder so no i haven't seen it yes you are you can make the fakest profile you'll be allowed to he is the one he is the one that taps you um Okay, well, I meant like me, like me. I'm not allowed oh, on Grindr. Oh, I got you. Yes. I didn't mean that like I can't access it. <laughs> okay. Doc Antle is like majorly homophobic and talks about how all his fucking wives all the time. So oh he God. would never, ever be on Grinder. Okay, so this Doc character, the actual Doc we're talking about, not Doc Antle, um, ran an escort service. Uh, unclear if Matthew was a patron and or employee of this escort service, um, or if Matthew and Doc were actually just friends, uh, just pointing that out. We're a little bit vague on that information there. Um, while at this gay bar, Matthew is introduced to another man named 
Aaron McKinney, which might sound familiar. <laughs> um, Aaron and Matthew both begin using heavy drugs and a lot of them. Mm. Aaron eventually begins working for Doc's escort service as a way of earning quick cash to feed his drug addiction. On December 17th, 1997, Aaron and two other friends burgled a KFC in Laramie, <laughs> Wyoming, which is about halfway between Casper, Wyoming and Denver, Colorado. Um, Laramie is right over the border between Wyoming and Colorado, um, which I had to look at a lot of maps today while I was like filling in <laughs> some of these details ink. because I'm so bad at geography, like west of Missouri and Texas, oh. like East coast. I'm perfect. I got mm-hmm. you. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting better at the Midwest now that I've lived here for six years, but it's uh-huh. still a little fuzzy. And then it's like, I don't even know. And then California. That's it. That's all I know. <laughs> Girl, give me a map of the United States, and I can probably tell you only six states. <laughs> it's us, Texas, California, Florida. Alaska, Hawaii. <laughs> Alaska and, yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, like I couldn't tell you where Washington <laughs> or New York are. I Oh, I can tell you Iowa. I can tell you Iowa. But, uh, really? yeah. Yeah. Midwesterner. Yeah, true. But that's all I got. I know New York and not Iowa. Uh, Do we New touch York? Iowa? Yes. Yeah, we yeah, touch we share Iowa. A border. We don't touch Idaho. 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 I get yes. those two confused. <laughs> Cut this out. Don't make me sound stupid. <laughs> I'm just you can make that uh, so at the KFC in Laramie, Aaron and his accomplices stole $2,500 and some desserts. <laughs> Which is not funny, but it's also so funny. <laughs> have, you, have you ever had dessert from a KFC? I didn't know they had dessert. Like, no. The first time I read that, I was like, <laughs> uh, are the gravy packets dessert? <laughs> like, I really have oh. no clue. So then on May 9th, 1998, around 4 a.m., a car goes up in flames in a neighborhood in Laramie. When police arrived at the scene of the fire, Matthew Shepard was there. The police, the police's notes on the interview say that Matthew seemed, quote, very excited, was speaking rapidly and looked wide eyed, which sounds like he was on uppers to me. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, Aaron McKinney was being held at the Albany County Detention Center while awaiting for his trial for the KFC burglary charges. (laughs) Absolutely. Gravy dessert. <laughs> Aaron was released on June 11th, 1998. But when I think of him being in custody and like, you know, the stereotypical, like, what are you in here for? Yeah, I robbed yeah. the KFC, mostly got some desserts. <laughs> <laughs> like, that shit is so fucking funny. But one TikTok I cannot stop thinking about when it comes to this is like, it's a sister recording. I'm assuming her brother or whatever. She's like, what's the worst part of being in jail? He's like, you're doing a puzzle and you almost finished the puzzle, but the last piece is missing because some fucking asshole stole it. (laughs) (laughs) But like I'm on anything else, that that is the worst part of jail to him. Uh, Yeah, not the uh, rape or being around violence all day. None of that. It's all good. So, in a plot twist that I did not see coming, Aaron had a girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, like, I'm not saying that there are, have never been people that have mm-hmm. been straight that are friends with gays. Right. But in Wyoming in the 90s, that was pretty unlikely. Yeah. And as we find out, Aaron sucks. Right. So, yeah. Um, Aaron had a girlfriend named Kristen Price. 
I saw in one article that Aaron was bisexual, and they actually said he was, quote, they called him a, quote, bisexual crystal meth addict, which I found to be a funny turn of phrase. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why. Like, well, I think it's because, like, so often now people are, 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 people are always talking about, like, bisexual witches with their crystals and this is like the <laughs> yes. reverse of that. <laughs> but also like a bisexual crystal meth addict like that kind of rolls off the tongue like that's my drag name I <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah um now that source also said that aaron and matthew have had sex but i didn't Ooh. i know but i did not find that anywhere else which mm. is i don't know if it was a one-off or they were just trying to get their reads or whatever up but that was if it's not true, fuck you for whoever wrote that. Yeah. In the summer of 1998, Aaron, set girlfriend, and their son, which, why are there kids in this mix? I know. Um, Who all lived on Doc's prop- trailer property together, are introduced to a man named Russell Henderson. Mm. Russell was raised a Mormon and was even considered at this point an elder in the church. Um. We do not have time to go into Mormonism and all that that means. Uh, just know for this story that being an elder in the Mormon church means that you have completed all of your requirements to be inducted into the priesthood. Um, you're at least 18 years old. Your priest, your like elder that you've been kind of mm-hmm. like seeing recently mm-hmm. has like recommended you to be um, an elder. And it gives you the power to like, bless some sick people and like baptize other people into the LDS. I don't, that seems so fucking absurd to me. Like how, I feel like that's a lot of, not, it's not even like a responsibility kind of, but like it's just too much power to give to an 18 year old. To me, yeah. that just seems like something that only fucking Mother Teresa or someone very seasoned within the church should be doing. Yeah, which fuck Mother Teresa will have to do right. an episode on her later. Right. But I guess it's part of that whole, like, Mormon doctrine of, like, trying to get as many people in as possible. Yeah, it's giving Sea Org. Yeah, a little bit. It is a lot of power. Yeah. I agree. It's weird. Um, I mean, again, we've talked about this a million times. At 18, I was so stupid. <laughs> I was I was more worried about prom than anything else. Yeah, Um, as you should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be a kid. So anyway, um, you and basically what all that amounts to is that you have to be pretty dedicated to the church in order to become an elder. Um, and we will do many an episode on the Mormons in the future, mm-hmm. as there are some Mormons who have done some pretty crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if right now, if you like really, really need some Mormon information, um, there is a plethora on a podcast called Cult Podcast by Paige Wesley and Armando Torres, which is one of my favorite podcasts, personally. Hmm. Um, They have done a few series on Mormon cults and various leaders of the Mormon faith. Uh, Go check those out if you need it right now. Um, Anyway, back to Denver. We are (laughs) very tangent-y tonight. (laughs) Sorry, guys. This is, like, the latest I think we've ever recorded. I think that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, we record kind of in the morning. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to Denver. Excuse me. Aaron Ridge introduces Russell to meth and gets him addicted as well. Imagine that. Meth. Addicting. Oh, Weird. God. Now, while Aaron was ruining Russell's life, Matthew was getting into his own hot water. On August 19th, 1998, Matthew made sexual advances towards a man who did not want that. But that monster turned around and punched Matthew, breaking his fucking jaw. What the fuck? I... <sighs> 
I won't even. Aaron and Matthew continue yeah. doing their drug-fueled relationship. Um, one night after smoking a bowl of meth, Aaron left. And when he returned, it said that Matthew was very angry because Aaron turned down a drug deal. Now, I was a bit confused by this in my research because... But what I think it was saying is that Aaron likely probably made a statement that he had a drug deal lined up and they were going to be able to score some good shit and maybe like a good amount of it Mm. too. So with Matthew being so fixated or entranced like with these drugs, he was likely pissed when Aaron came back empty-handed. That's the only Mm. thing I could kind of make sense of that. Yeah. Now after this, they stopped seeing much of each other on purpose, but in September of 98, the two happened to be in a convenience store in Laramie at the same time, and Aaron tells Matthew to, quote, watch his back. Uh, I don't really know what Aaron McKinney looked like at this time, but I don't think I'd be scared of him. No. Like, meth addicts are normally really skinny. And first of all... Because it just, like, ravages your body. Right. And don't tell me to watch my back when you've got a fucked up hairline in your 20s. Don't you... Like, I I, I told you guys, I'm probably gonna have to shoot below the belt and talk about looks, but, like, don't fucking come at me when you look like that. Fuck off. that's true. So, now we're into October. On October 2nd, Matthew hired Doc and his limo company... Um, or limo, singular limo, I don't know, to take Matthew and a friend, Tina Labrie, to Tornado, which was the name of a gay club in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, Fort Collins is just over the border on the other side. So, like, um, Laramie is just over the border on the Wyoming side. Fort Collins is on the Colorado side. Anyway, it's also considered the gateway to the Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, And it's a college town because that is where Colorado State University is. Um, And also just south of Fort Collins is Longmont, Colorado, where my best friend Amanda is from. Hi, Amanda. Um, In in recent history, Fort Collins has been known for its beer production and is considered (laughs) the Napa Valley of beer. I don't know who gave it that name, but okay. Um. But I definitely need to go there. Um, It's extremely gay-friendly, apparently, and pertinent for today, specifically. It's where the Anheuser-Busch Brewery is, uh, which we love Bud Light right now. Yes, I fuck with it. Hell yeah. Yes. Um, Other breweries that are there include Fat Tire, New Belgium, which are two pretty famous breweries, and Mm. 10 other award-winning craft breweries. So that means there's, like... At least 12 major craft breweries in this little town. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. That's pretty. It's like, what are they, podcasts? Like, they just, they're so oversaturated. (laughs) Yeah. It's so wild. True crime podcast specifically. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, According to this website that I found that was talking about this, they produce 70% of Colorado's craft beer and 7% of the United States in total. Um, wow. 7% for the country. That's still a lot. Like, that's for a little tiny town. Yeah. yeah. This sounds fuck. like 90,000 people. God, good for them. Yeah. It's like smaller than Lakeview and Lincoln Park combined. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyway, so apparently, um, according to a Guardian article that we read, the tornado was considered a haven for closeted gays in the 90s. Um, with a dance floor, a bar, and a lounge section. Um, like we said earlier, lots of closeted gays uh, mm-hmm. still in the 90s, especially in this part of the country. 
Yeah. Um, they also said in that article that they that all the kids from Laramie, which is also a college town because that's where the University of Wyoming is, will travel to Fort Collins all the time for a night out, even when the roads were all snowed in. Um, which that's dedication to get your group thing on. <laughs> I've been there several um, times. <laughs> yeah. That's been me coming to Chicago all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, apparently on this night, again, we're on October 2nd, allegedly Matthew spent $1,100 at the club that night, which God. I've never spent $1,100 in one no. night at a bar. No. And then when you consider the fact that this was 1997, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1997. Um, so, that $1,100 in 1997 is equivalent to $2,047 today. Uh, which that's rent um, that's rent for like a one bed in chicago <laughs> yeah that's more than my rent um God. but i also live in a troll hole so <laughs> i live in the shire basically um i'm just kidding my apartment's fine um and uh but what i was thinking is like i took a fancy vacation with my other best friend taylor last year we went uh-huh. to a fancy resort in the bahama called the bahamar which is like the number one resort in the Bahamas. Uh-huh. So super expensive. Everything there was super expensive. A bottle of Grey Goose there in 2022 mm-hmm. is five hundred dollars. A a one point five seven a one point seven five liter bottle of Grey Goose for bottle service is five hundred dollars. So to get up to Fuck. what Matthew spent, he'd have to get four of those bottles. And oh this God. is in Fort Collins, Colorado, not at the fucking Baja Mar Bahamas. Yeah. So, like, what the fuck were you spending all that money on? Fuck. I'm mad as fuck when I get to Benny's and I see that Casamigos is, like, regular price for $39 fucking dollars for the big <laughs> bottle. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Holy I shit. Have, I have a handle of Crown that I've been nursing for years because it cost me, like, $55 or something. God damn. I, I'm like, like, I don't want to drink it. I will stick to my $22, $29 bottle of Kirkland tequila any fucking day. There you go. But yeah, so that's a lot of alcohol. Um, yes. Considering all of those things. For how little he is too. Like, I wonder if he was buying oh, yeah. rounds for people, to, but he was a he little, little guy. Been. He must have been like, I'll take everybody's tab or something. Right. Also, where did you get $1,100, Matthew? Exactly. You're 21. That was my next thought. We're not blaming um, him. Sorry. <laughs> no. So after drinking excessive amounts of liquor and probably doing drugs, the crew headed to Denny's where he expressed suicidal thoughts, which fucking hell, that just, that's another thing that is a gut fucking punch. Mm-hmm. Um. Over the next four days, it is said that Matthew was on a hardcore meth and cocaine binge. And during this binge on the 3rd of October, Matthew called his mom while he experienced a panic attack and cried uncontrollably. What's that poor, poor mom? Like, I can't imagine being so far away. You can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, like, and and to know that he's in a place where, like, he has friends and stuff, but, like, Mm -hmm. it's not like he has other family like it's not like it's not like right like i don't think grandma's down the street or whatever right. you know or like when his, his brother his kind too are not accepted there either like yeah that's, that's everything stacked against him 
So with that, allegedly he took 15 anxiety pills and then met with the drink. <laughs> the cat is going off. <laughs> I know she's mad because it's dinner time. Oh. It's been it's six minutes past your be- your dinner time. Relax. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um, <laughs> allegedly, he took 15 anxiety pills and then met with the drug dealer who had a bad reputation for being tough. And apparently, Matthew owed him $1,200, which yikes. Also, Matthew, if you just spent $1,100 at the club, <laughs> give exactly. some of that to your drug dealer. What are you doing? Exactly. On the 4th of... On the 4th, Matthew calls Tina from a bar telling her to come join him. She later says that when she arrived, Matthew seemed moody, pensive, and worried. They both leave that bar, and Matthew then goes to the Eagles Club to meet up with Doc, and Matthew tells Doc that he has AIDS. Like, oh. So heavy. So heavy, so young, but holy fuck. Now, reminder, Matthew at this point is only 21 years old. He's been gang raped, possibly arrested for sexual assaults. He has a severe substance abuse disorder of being addicted to meth, cocaine, probably also alcohol. He's running with a bad drug dealing crowd and also has AIDS, all while his parents are on the other side of the globe. That's a lot for a 21 year old to handle. Like, 21 is an adult. But not really, like your brain's not fully formed until you're 25. And the shit yeah. that you're doing to your body is that isn't making that progression any fucking easier. No, not when you've been on meth for two years or whatever oh. at this point. Like And to be lucky to have survived like that long and continue yeah. doing it. Oh my god. Yeah, I will say, um, in all the research, there didn't seem to be any reports of him ever ODing, which I'm surprised no. about. In the early morning of October 6, 1998, Aaron McKinney breaks into his cousin's house. Wow. Why? I don't know. Because uh, his cousin had thereafter. more hair than him. He had a better <laughs> hairline. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was going in for his Rogaine. <laughs> um, it was probably for drugs. But yes. anyway, um. After he breaks in, he leaves, goes to work, and then meets up with a man named Ken Hasselhun, which that's a name, <laughs> that's a after name. work, um, who promises to take Aaron to another dealer for six ounces of meth. Aaron, Russell, and Ken, that's a crew, <laughs> go to a few different dealers' houses trying to score, but no one is home. And if you're an angry meth addict who can't get meth, you're probably really agitated right now. Fuck yeah. I don't want to be with, I don't want to be Russell or Ken with Aaron no. right now. Uh, Can I Ken just gets say, dropped off. I'm sorry, yes. six ounces of meth is one that's a lot. Do you Have you seen the short cups at Starbucks, like the real, real tiny paper cups that they do yeah. like little shots of, single shots of espresso in? Those are eight ounces. Six Whoa. ounces, yeah, six ounces of fucking meth. That is bonkers. I can't believe um, that anyone can have possession of that. I mean, it's that's six shot glasses. Like a shot glass yeah. is one ounce. Fucking um, hell, that shit would knock me out. I'd, I'd be zonked out for a while. Well, yeah, six shots or six ounces of meth. Both. Well, the six ounces of meth would probably kill you. Oh well, hell yeah. I mean, not in yeah. I wouldn't do it in one sitting. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Period. But <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I just I can't imagine. I brought you here today. You thought we were recording a podcast, but actually it's an intervention. (laughs) Well, shit. I took a shot before we recorded. Oh, God. 
Nothing good has ever come out of somebody doing meth. We'll just leave it at that. Um, except for arrest of murderers. Yeah. That's the only good thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Ken gets dropped off and Aaron and Russell return to Aaron's trailer where he showers and changes into some new clothes. Meanwhile, Matthew, we don't know if this is verified, if he completed it mm-hmm. or what, but we found it somewhere. Uh, supposedly making a drug run to Denver to pick up 12 ounces of meth, dropping off half of that in Fort Collins and bringing the rest back to Laramie. Um, that's that's so, bad. That's bad. And that's got to be so scary. Like, I would just be so fucking paranoid. That's what I was thinking. That automatically, I don't know what, like, the line is of making drug possession a federal offense. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you cross that state line, that's oh, a federal offense. Yeah, you're fucking done for now you got Now you got the FBI on your ass. Good luck. Fucking hell. That afternoon, (laughs) please don't. That afternoon, (laughs) Matthew called Doc from the Fireside Lounge, which is now called the Library, and it's still open in Laramie, and I think we should definitely go there sometime. Oh, yeah. Like, that sounds like a great road trip from Denver to Fort Collins. We'll grab some beer. I'll get so fucking bloated. We'll go see all the places (laughs) in Laramie, and we'll eat at the library. Yes. like, that just sounds so orgasmic. And to make it even better, their website says their specialty is wings, which you know I yes. fucking love. <laughs> so anyway, Matthew calls Doc and asks him about renting a limo for a night out with his friends, wanting to meet up around 9.30 p.m. Matthew remains at the library until about 6 or 6.30 p.m. He then attends an LGBTA meeting on campus and then goes to dinner at the Village Inn which appears to now be a Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers, which every time we drive past them, I always want to go. I've never stopped, but I hear their custard is fucking great. Yeah, I've heard it's like better than Culver's. Yeah. They're pricey too, though, is what I've heard. Um, Yeah. I'm cool with Dairy Queen. (laughs) I do love Dairy Queen. I I can fuck up some Dairy Queen, and it fucks me up. (laughs) After dinner, his friend Kim Nash drops him off at home around 9 p.m. At 10 p.m., Aaron and Russell head to Fireside, and Matthew arrives about 30 minutes later in his Ford Bronco. Apparently, he didn't get the limo from Doc. I don't know what that's about. Um, It was supposedly karaoke night at Fireside, and Matthew sat at the bar by himself, trying to avoid Aaron and Russell, which I don't fucking blame him for that. When they move near him, he leaves the bar to continue drinking at a table, saying that he doesn't, quote, want to be near the assholes. Another patron, Mike St. Clair, claims that he was hit on by Matthew. Um, Nah, I don't know. Not really relevant, but part of the story i guess the only thing that i could think of that it might be relevant and this is a long shot Mm -hmm. but if i'm playing devil's advocate which i'm excellent at (laughs) possibly that matthew was like in the mood out looking Mm. you know like like kind of trolling um if he was like hitting on some other dude because that kind of comes into play into the story later that's the only thing that i can think of i can say that i agree with you that it's probably not relevant the bartender from fireside says that aaron and russell went to the bathroom together oh my god girls oh. let's go to the bathroom <laughs> i'm just kidding go to the bathroom in groups because there's safety in numbers yes. ladies even if you're comparing hairlines because <laughs> what else do you guys do what what do you guys do in the bathroom when they go together we know what girls do in, compare their tiny penises that's what guys do <laughs> Well, that's what Aaron and Russell were doing, I'm yes. sure. Um, shortly after midnight, it's now October 7th of 1998, Russell and Aaron offer Matthew a ride home. Mm. What good 
Samaritans. Oh my god. Uh, guys, if you need if you need a, another trigger warning, this is about to get real bad. Um, instead of driving back towards town, though, we're getting real serious here too. Um, Aaron, the driver, steers his truck actually his father's truck, toward a remote area on the west side of Laramie into a new housing development and onto an unpaved dirt path. Um, apparently, while they were in the bathroom, the pair had concocted a plan to rob Matthew when they saw him sitting at the bar earlier. In his testimony, Aaron claims that Matthew, while driving, while Aaron was driving, put his hand on Aaron's thigh. Um, which is why I said maybe he was trolling. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can yeah. think of, just to make that connection. Um, but none of us believe this. No. Matthew doesn't want your gross hairline, Aaron. <laughs> um, but Aaron claims that Matthew put his hand on his thigh and started groping him. Mm-hmm. At that moment, Aaron told Russell, his BFF, to take the wheel and he started beating Matthew while they were all sitting in the truck. Um, Aaron then says the most infamous line of probably this whole case, uh, quote, guess what? We're not gay, and you just got jacked. Oh they then pulled the truck over and continued their ima- uh, their attack on Matthew, beating him with the butt of a three fifty seven Magnum. Uh, hmm. Getting pep- pistol whipped is not, not fun. No. Um, then, this is the real bad part, Aaron and Russell tie Matthew's battered body to a buck fence with a clothesline and take off his shoes. After tying him up, they deliver three more near-fatal blows, and they leave him there, taking with them $20 cash and a credit card and head back towards town. That's so fucked up. That is so... that. Makes me sick to my stomach to think of how alone he fucking felt. How alone he was already feeling in the world yeah. in comparison to his family. But like, fuck, man. And then to be abandoned in the middle of nowhere Literally for $20 nowhere. cash. Oh, my God. So at 12.45 a.m., the pair of now murderers gets into a street fight with Jeremy Herrera and Emiliano Mor- Morales at 7th and Harvey. Aaron hits Emiliano with the same pistol he just used on Matthew, and Jeremy defends his friend, hitting Aaron with a stick. The police arrive on the scene, and Aaron and Russell flee, but the police quickly find Aaron's father's truck containing Matthew's credit card and shoes, and the 357 Magnum covered in blood laying in the back of the bed truck. Aaron makes it back to his trailer at 1.30 a.m., covered in the blood of his victims, About 30 minutes later, Emiliano is taken to Ivinson Memorial Hospital, a 99-bed facility affiliated with the University of Colorado Health, to be treated for his wounds. Um, I think it's weird that we're in Wyoming, but it's affiliated with the University of Colorado. Right. Whatever. I I just, that was something that really stumped me Mm -hmm. in the research. So, continuing on through the day. 425 p.m. Aaron's girlfriend Kristen tells a friend that he might be charged with attempted murder, quote, for beating up some gay guy. Oh God. And I know she said that with the snarkiest fucking tone. So condescending, oh, yeah. too. She's a homophobe as much as her boyfriend is. She can get- She's probably more homophobic than he is if he's having sex with right. Matthew. I hope this motherfucker is bisexual and she just doesn't fucking know it. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Then at 5 p.m., Kristen takes Aaron to Ivinson Memorial, where he is diagnosed with a hairline skull fracture. And a fucked up hairline. (laughs) They go one in one. (laughs) I didn't even put that together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Jeremy obviously got a good hit in. Yeah, good for him. Um, And I'm never promoting violence, but fuck this dude. I know. Um, So... 18 hours after he was tied to the fence, around 6 p.m. on October 7th, a mountain biker named Aaron Kreffels finds Matthew still tied to the fence near Soe Mountain View Road. At first glance, Kreffels thinks that it is a scarecrow until he notices tufts of human hair. He went closer to Matthew and realized he wasn't breathing, so he started yelling at Matthew to wake up. But, of course, he wouldn't. Um, at 6.22 p.m., the call to 911 was made that there was a man tied to a fence on the outskirts of town. Albany County Sheriff's Deputy Reggie Flutie arrives along with an ambulance and they bring Matthew to Ivinson Memorial. So now our victim and his murderer, and maybe still the other victim, uh, are all in the same hospital. Small towns need more hospitals. Jesus Christ. I can't imagine what Matthew, or I'm sorry, what Aaron Kreffels has dealt with and relived time and time again since that. I mean, it's no comparison to what Matthew went through, but just to be, like, screaming at somebody, like, wake up, wake up. Like, I I cannot fucking imagine. Which, like, good on him for not touching Matthew, though, because you never know, like, not even just DNA, but, like, what if it was, like, electrocuted, and then he also got electrocuted, and then they're both fucked, and nobody can call 911 or whatever. Like, there's just, yeah, like, don't touch things and what the hell like i'm so glad he was out there but what the hell of all fucking places to be what the hell was he doing out there well that's like the um peyton leitner oh yeah yeah, yeah. case that road was like closed and like not even really a biking trail and that one uh biker just happens to go by that's that's exactly right holy shit um yeah i don't know i can't remember if i put this in there later on but the responding officer forget what her name is she had a huge role in um matthew shepherd is a friend of mine but she talked about when she got there she had to untie matthew's hands and she talked about her gloves just constantly being ripped up when she was trying to do it and like trying to just take him off of the fence and everything but she said it came to a point to where the blood was so slippery she had to take her gloves off and do it with her bare hands and like you said, with the cuts, she did end up having a scare eventually that she might have contracted AIDS because <gasps> oh, of no. doing it. But she was like, I did not even think about that because I was trying to save someone's fucking life. Yeah, good for her. She ended up <sighs> being cleared eventually of that ugly disease. But fucking hell, man. While Matthew is being admitted to the hospital, the sheriff's office receives a missing persons report for Matthew. Kristen and Chastity, who is Russell Henderson's girlfriend, drive approximately 50 miles to Cheyenne to dispose of Russell's bloody clothes and stash his bloody shoes in a storage shed at Chastity's mom's house. At 8.45 p.m., Aaron McKinney is picked up by police and Detective Rob Debris begins interviewing him. Aaron claims that a stranger took his truck and therefore he is not responsible for the stolen credit card, shoes, and bloody gun that they found. Aaron is sent to Poudre... Poudre? I think, I think so. Poudre, Poudre, 
whatever, Puget Valley Hospital in Fort Collins due to the severity of his injuries. And shortly after, at 9.15 p.m., Matthew Shepard is admitted to the second same hospital as his murderer in critical condition. The reason for Matthew being transferred is that his injuries were beyond the capabilities of Ivinson Memorial. He had hypothermia and a skull fracture that extended from behind his right ear to in front of the ear, and the top part of his ear was missing. That is probably the, like, clearest sign to me that they just beat the shit out of him. Yes. Like, how do you, like, cartilage, your ear, super flexible. Look, I can fucking bend my ear in half. Yeah. To rip that off? Oh, my God. Mm. It it makes my fucking skin crawl. Yeah. Um, Do you... Matthew's hypothermia, his temperature fluctuated from 98 to 106 degrees Fahrenheit, or in Celsius, 36 to 41 degrees. Um, But needless to say, Matthew was hanging on for dear life. And I hate to do this, you guys, but that is where we are going to stop things for episode one. But luckily for you, (laughs) dear listener, we have decided to release both episodes on the same day. So we're not going to do a lot of talking here at the end. Um, We just want to remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're listening in Spotify, there's a poll down below, and we'd love to hear what you all have to say. Oh my god, a red Um, cardinal just flew by. Oh, isn't that like a sign of like good luck or something? Yeah, or like a loved one, too. Oh, yeah, like like your lost loved ones, yeah, right? Yeah, how funny. Aww. So while you're at it, tell a friend, tell a coworker, mm-hmm. tell a dog. Yeah. Tell somebody about us that can <laughs> listen. Um, except maybe not your grandma if she's, like, super conservative because we cuss a lot and we talk a lot about gay sex. <laughs> oh, well, on the note, you guys, again, happy Pride. Uh, we love yes. you. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to check out the Coco that we mentioned at the top of the episode, too. Follow them on social media. Also follow us at Your Next Pod, um, and you can find our socials there as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, lastly, beware <laughs> your next. <laughs> I Although I really it. hope none of none of this ever happens oh, to anybody. Oh, God. I fucking know. I made it through without crying. I fought it. Yay. I fought it twice, but maybe yeah. next time, because there's still so much more fucked up shit to yeah, get into. Is. Maybe I'll cry next time. Bloody hell. 